My name is Beth Guide. I'm with Vertical Web. And today's topic, we're going to be doing all the words you need to know, A to Z. Uh, it's going to try to be an ultimate list. I, I do not think I will get through all the terms. Uh, if anybody has a question or doesn't understand what I'm saying, please, you know, let me know and stop me because these are like all the words that you would hear that you really probably should know what they are. And then we can kind of go from there. So um, where I want to start with is I'm going to try to do uh, Google-related and conversion-related words first, okay? And then I'll come back and do like program-related words, um, you know, like uh, technologies and stuff like that. So I have a, I'm going to kind of change this list up a little bit. So the very first thing you should know is when somebody tells you and in fact, frankly, if, if any of you want to participate, I might just kind of do it this way. Um, does anybody know what above the fold is? No. Okay. So back in the day, newspapers, when you fold them in half, the top section of that newspaper used to show. And when you would lay a newspaper out, you would want your copy of the most important story to be what was called above the fold. On a website, when you go to the web page, it's what appears in that full browser window when you load the screen. So your most important messaging needs to be what is called above the fold so that if the end user opts to not scroll down, which most don't, they get your most important mar marketing message or they get engaged in the page. So you always wanna make sure you have a learn more or click here or contact us your phone number, um, anything that would be important needs to be at the top half of a website so that when you load it. Now, I have a big 27-inch iMac, so when I load a screen, I get more than what you would get on a laptop. When I load something on my laptop, sometimes I only get, and let me let me bring up a, a share a screen here. Let me just uh, see if I have a Chrome window going on here. I do. Uh, crumb, 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 crumb. Yeah. You never can put your hands on the window when you want it, huh? I'm trying to find the Chrome because they do it better. Here we go. Okay. So if I go to a website, any website, um, Let's just randomly pick one that I may or may not be involved in. Uh, let's go. Let's go to Nike.com. So when I go to Nike.com, you all should be able to see my window. They have this nice little movie thing here. Um, they've got. Uh, all this information here. And then you'll see they've got this little saying that says, join us, co-founder, Phil Knight. If you never looked anywhere else, but here you would not, you would not need to go anywhere else because you can buy your shoes from the top. You can see what they have to offer. And you really, this frame is all you need. If you opt to scroll down, they've got some things. Um, and all, but that's the, that's the, that's the bulk of it. 
So that's what above the fold means. You want to make sure that your most important messaging here is in frame. So I've got somebody to hold on one second. All right, okay, so that's that one. So that's the first one we're gonna to tackle today is that. Um, the next one, which is not a design, we're gonna jump out of design for a minute and we're gonna talk about Google. And you hear a lot about what is the Google algorithm or what is they updated the algorithm? And the answer to that question is an algorithm is a mathematic computation that a computer does to go through and make a determination of what should appear first is one way. Um, it can be done for a search function. It can be done to update pricing. There's a whole bunch of things that can be done with an algorithm, okay? But at the end of the day, it's a mathematical computation. And in Google's case, they have about 200 and some very important items um, that they factor in that go into that algorithm that produce the number one listing. The other thing is they're weighted. So things like a title tag counts more than if I put my address in the middle of my page somewhere. So items, certain parts and anatomies of this, and we talk about this from a technical side. We talk about this from a content side. Uh, we talk about this from a structure side. We talk about this several different ways, okay? But what the Google algorithm is, is a mathematical computation of these 200 and some odd factors weighted to be able to produce who should be number one and who should be number 550, uh, a relevant website in the whole world. Um, Google also often goes through and they make changes to that algorithm. Sometimes they change it at its core and that wreaks a lot of havoc. Sometimes they just update it to say, hey, if we see this behavior, we want that weighted more of a penalty than is a positive. Um, sometimes it's, it's granular, sometimes it's the whole thing. Um, and then they'll go in sometimes and they refresh it and they, they restart it all. So sometimes that causes a shakeup. Um, but overall, uh, the algorithm itself is the backbone of, of what Google is, and I, and I can always say, come back to, it's my three-legged stool, um, which is uh, links, structure, and content, you know? So when I have those three things and I have them all done right, there's a whole sidecar to all of that. But if they're all done right, um, chances are you're gonna land in a pretty good spot with your page if you, if you meet all of those objectives. So are we good so far? Okay, moving to the next one, all right? The next one, everybody should have this running on your web, on your, this is like a freebie tip that if you're not doing this, it's kind of a big deal. Um, everybody should have AMP pages on their website, okay? And what AMP pages are is accelerated mobile pages. And what that is, is a really snazzy way of saying they're smaller pages, they're, they're the content of your homepage, laid out in a format that's specifically for an iPhone or for a tablet. Don't get that confused with a responsive design. 
a responsive design changes with the size of the browser. So if I make my browser bigger, um, I actually think I can probably do this here with this Nike one. If I make my browser smaller, you guys now have a smaller version of my screen and you see the screen is somewhat shrunk to accommodate my smaller screen size. If I make it bigger, it, it moves to accommodate my larger screen size. So you see, that's a responsive design. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about accelerated mobile pages, which is a shadow group of pages that are specifically pulled up when you hit your hit a website with a mobile with a mobile um, mobile device. Um, I, what I will say is, don't monkey around with those pages. Meaning, don't try to serve different results to a mobile user than you do to your regular desktop user. I, I try to keep those items. Um, you know, in, in, in um, synchronized. I don't let them get out and get them that I have one version of a page one way, one version of a page other way. But I think um, that everybody should have it. Uh, you know, some people say that AMP is not really required anymore. Um, and and what is it? What is its value? Um, I, I wouldn't not want to have it. I, I have it on all our sites. We keep it on there. I think there is a value to it. Um, and I, I think that, you know, Google's looking at how fast something loads, um, you know, and there's always been this question on how valuable AMP is. Um, but I, I just say I would do it for the sake of doing it because it gives your user a faster experience. It lets you have a little bit better control. And I still think Google knows that you have them there and um, what's going on with them. All right. So the next one is analytics. All right, so Google has their analytics program and they have had the same analytics program forever. They went in and they purchased, I can't remember what their name is. I can see Urchin, it'll come out eventually. Uh, many years ago, they bought, they purchased a company called Urchin and Urchin was uh, probably the Cadillac of log parsing uh, software on the market back in, you know, in the 2000s. And um, Google purchased it, they bought it online, they called it Google Analytics, and they've kind of been using the same version ever since. In July of next year, Google Analytics, as we've known it all this time, is going away. The biggest point to know about Google Analytics going away is everybody needs to put their G4 Google Analytics in now or you will not have the historical value on the website. They are wiping out the history of these websites. So um, I'm gonna kind of make some suggestions here for you guys. Um, first of all, run them in tandem. You can keep your regular Google Analytics now, but get the G4 set up. In fact, I'm gonna have a class probably a little bit closer to the end of the year that talks about how to set up G4 start to finish. I think that it's something that probably everybody that I've ever come in contact with needs to know anyway. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. I just haven't decided. I'm thinking, you know, fourth quarter, just so you can kind of keep an eye out on what I'm, I, I may get there sooner, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, but the other thing that I've done and I'm glad I did it is I have a secondary stat program that I put on all our customers and it's called stat counter. It's a plugin for WordPress 
you, it, it, it drops into several different platforms, but it drops into WordPress and it's what is a log parser. So I want to kind of explain what the difference between analytics and a log parser are, because I think that's another piece of this that um, kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, analytics analyzes and makes some interpretations and takes some liberty with the visitors that come to your website. So I could go to a website 50 times in a day. And Google doesn't say that person went there 50 times a day. They, they know I'm there. They know I'm there once. And that's how I kind of get counted. I may get counted in the page views. Um, if I'm from, I don't know, Kuala Lumpur, they're more likely to think that might be a bot and disqualify me. So they disqualify traffic sometimes because they don't think it's valid. Sometimes they count things. But just understand that analytics is analyzing and interpreting your data and it's not unfiltered. Okay. My The stat counter program is unfiltered. It takes every visit, every hit, every everything, as long as the full page loads, and it gives you full oversight of that. What my staff likes about it is there's a visitor path. They use the visitor path. It's so like they can see. So they're not wasting time on it. Maybe this person or maybe that person. Um, it, it gives them straight up insights as to what each visitor on that website does every day. Um, whether it be 100, 1,000, 10,000, you can look down them and know what the behavior of every person that came to the website was in a much more easily and digestible way, in my opinion, than to pull this out of analytics because I can actually do it on a user by user level where analytics is a little bit hard to get down to that level. So that's just, it's a personal opinion, um, but that's just something that we kind of have done here. And we kind of think that that's an easier road to hoe. I also like the fact that it's not put through Google's filter. So we kind of balance the two out against each other and we'll say, okay, so analytics said we have this stat counter says we have this stat counters raw. We understand that we're going to interpret the data analytics does its interpretation of the data and then we can kind of marry them all and say because it's really under, it's really important in the long run to understand what a user does on your website I, I think that you're flying blind if you really don't know what's what somebody's doing did they come there because they needed to change something did they come there just for general information um, I have one page in particular on my website that gets hit you know 40 50 times a day I'm, I'm going to put an ad on that for web hosting at some point because it's it's a Squarespace page that people are using my website to get information that Squarespace is not giving them. So eventually I'm going to put an ad on that page because I, but the only way I would know it is to go through the stat counter program and see that I have all these people coming in from all over the place. And what they're doing is they're then proceeding to come back and, and look everywhere. All right, this says, is Google going to have another way to see analytics? Yes, it's going to go to what they're calling G4, okay? So there is, you can set up your G4 account now, okay? Um, I'm just, I'm saying do both. Now, if you're running WordPress, it's really easy. Google has a SiteKit account. Um, you can drop site, a SiteKit plugin on your website and run the site kit and it will set up G4 and it will set up uh, regular Google analytics. You have the choice to set up either or, or both with the site kit. So if you put the plugin Google site kit on your website, it will, it will put and install both for you. So uh, most of mine have both data 
on it now as we've set them up. Uh, my older customers don't, so I'm going to need to go ahead and figure out what I'm going to need to do to capture all of that. But um, the newer customers all have both set up and have for a while. So that's just a warning, warning and a wise on the analytics side that they're just going to take away years of data, which is kind of horrible and terrible in a lot of ways to me. But um, it is what it is. We're using a program that doesn't belong to us. So therefore, we're at their, their mercy is what they do with it. What I will say is the stat counter account, I have years worth of data stored in there now too. Um, that data won't go away because it's, I have log files and keep my log files big enough to keep those trends and tracking. So that's another, that's another piece of this if I, if I can add that as well. So that's another, that's another piece. No, there is no cost to uh, G4. It's just no different than Google Analytics. It's just their latest um, level of it. So it's Google Analytics Universal and then Google Analytics, which they're calling GA4 is what they're calling it. So it's Google Analytics 4 instead of Universal. Um, I, I think that's a big, that's a big point to me, to be honest with you, is the change in analytics. I, I, I think it's going to be a big change. Um, and I really don't like the fact that I'm losing my historical data because how do I say this? I can look back at something two years ago and three years ago and say, Hey, you know, this is sometimes a year is not enough to create a trend feeling because something kind of goes down and you don't know it till it comes back out the next, a year later. And I say, huh, well, July of last year, this was going on July of this year, this is going on. So we're going to lose some of that. So um, I'm, I'm really strongly urging everybody to be preemptive and to do this now and get yourself set up. Um, and I, I would make sure that you had the best ways you can to get historical data on these accounts would be now would be the time to do it. Okay, so Google Analytics. The next one I want to talk about is authorship and author authority. Okay, um, and I think, and as I'm giving you these, I'm giving you them because I think these are some things that are often also overlooked as well. Um, every website should have a person. And I, what I'm going to caution on this side is I would make it be the business owner if you were working with an entity small enough to have a business owner still involved and not a, a, a management suite and a big corporation. So I don't know, you know, what everybody's personal circumstances are. But I would make you sure you had one person. Now, if you have like my company is me because I own my company. Yes, I have employees. No, it's not them. Everything gets published under my my personal name. OK, just so we know what's what that what that's about. Now, what I will say is that some of you, if you're larger and you have marketing departments, um, a way around what I'm talking about is to create a person that will transcend whoever sits in the marketing director's chair. Um, we had a, a Dish Network affiliate and we made up a person. We gave them a birthday. We gave them a profile. We gave them interest. For all intents and purposes, he looked like a real person so that he ran social media. He ran the website. Everything that we posted was posted to him because what it does is it starts to build up an author authority. Myself, because I'm like all over the place, I'm giving talks, I have podcasts, which are hints on how you build this up. I have podcasts, I'm teaching these classes, my name comes up, my name's a brandable name with actual searches attached to it. Um, 
I have an authority, but I had to build up that authority. And what that is, is when I speak and I put something on my website and it's attributed to me, Google understands that, that I am speaking from a position of knowledge, authority, and credibility. So there is a trust factor about me um, that just Johnny off the street doesn't have. If you are a financial person, if you are in the health industry, if you are a legal person, that's even more important. So my lawyers, they are the posters on their website. So we make sure that those have well-developed personalities and profiles put out on the website. Um, engineers, so anything in a professional capacity, um, I think that it's even more important, but everybody should have a person with a developed personality that is in the forefront to understand that they're the one that's in, in charge of everything, you know, that they're the, they're the voice of authority. That is a ranking factor. The author of priorities, when I put something up, it immediately ranks higher just because I did it. And I've worked a long time to get the reputation that I have. And that it is that important. And I, I see us sometimes hop over things and I'm like, oh, wow, I can't believe we hopped over Verizon. And, and the reason we hopped over Verizon is because Verizon is being posted as just Verizon with no person behind it. I'm being posted as me. And I, you know, I have a, a bigger reputation. I mean, I, you know, so everything from TV to press to you name it. So I'm not saying that everybody is as blessed as I've been to be able to get it out as far as I am. But I do think that you all need to pay attention to that. So if you have a business owner, that's who should be propped up. If you don't have a business owner because you're too big, I think you have to create one or create a, you know, create a doctor or create something that is the person of authority on the website and make sure they're trust they're trustworthy you know um i have a medical company now that they have a doctor working for them um i'm going to utilize that doctor because that doctor has been friends with my business owner um since they were in the they were six years old so there's enough of a relationship after 60 years or 55 years whatever that age is that i'm comfortable using the doctor instead of the business owner on this because they've been friends since first grade so you got to make those kind of decisions. Um, but, you know, I think when you're looking and you're sitting in a brand in a business, you need to pick a, pick a face, create a face, and that needs to be the face because you have to have this authority. Okay, the next thing I'm going to talk to you about is uh, backlinks. Um, actually, I'm going to actually not talk about backlinks. I want to double back into anchor text a minute here. This is an important concept and it ebbs and it flows. Historically, um, it's, it's come in vogue and then it's left and it's come in vogue and it's left. And I'm going to tell you that I don't think it's actually ever really gone anywhere. So what anchor text is, is using my little, let me see if I can find a good example. Let's see. I try to use agnostic things that are not going to upset people. All right. So if I look at, at CNN, okay, um, you all see the page there. When I do this and put my mouse over, this anchor text says contact loss with Ukrainian forces over wherever the heck that is. This one, Fed is about to make history again. 
um, all these words on your page are what they call anchor text. Now, you would not normally implement this the way CNN does. I just wanted to go to a place that there was an egregious overload of it. If I go to, let me see, let me just use this one. I was, this is a, you know what, this is a, this is a really old example of what not to do. Okay. And then I'll explain to you why it's this way. Sometimes when I do things in hyperbole, it, it makes the point. Everybody's, uh, yeah, okay, look, everybody looked horrified. I, I see that. I saw the, this is anchor text on steroids. And what this is, is a keyword that links to a page. Yeah, you're laughing because you've seen this site before. I know, right? This is anchor text is, these are keywords that link to a page about the keyword. So if I click on this, uh, oh, it says page not found. Okay, not my problem on that one. Uh, let's go to another one. Let's try another. Maybe they're all broke. Okay, so this one was trucks and truck jacks. I clicked on it, went to pallet trucks and pallet jacks. Okay, so it's a whole page on those items. And then if you look, when I get to this page, this goes to another pallet truck and, okay, this not working either. Uh, this site's really old. So apparently it's up, but it doesn't work in some spots. I, I'm not affiliated with this. Um, in any way, shape, or form. It's just, uh, it's a great example of what not to do, but it's also an example of when I talk about anchor text, this is what we used to do to a website. And just by the sheer fact, we would create so many internal links. Um, what would happen is we would have the page rank because there were so many in internal links linking together uh, this way. We don't do this anymore. But you still want to have some of these basic principles. So let's just, I'm going to use my own website. I, sometimes I, this thing is the most right because it's the most recent, if you will. Okay, so let me lower that and kill that. All right, so anchor text, web hosting, anchor text, web design, anchor text, web marketing. Those go to a page on web design, okay? Inside this page to web design, I wrote my page mindful. Now you see above the fold, if we go back to above the fold, I have our portfolio and our contacts are right above the fold. So if you don't want to see to scroll anything other than, you know, how to contact you um, and how to, um, how to contact you and or how to, you know, what our per portfolio is, great. You can just live in the top half of that page. All right, so. Uh, I gotta mute that one because yeah okay. So with that said, as I as you come down in this page, okay, you can see that we have words built in and then they're they're linked up. If you come all the way down here, these eventually will go to pieces. I haven't written all these pages yet, but as we do, these pages, these words will be hot linked to pages that correspond to what they're about. Okay. And we do this and you do, we also do this in the text so that we have this web design, this uh, web design developer page. We took the web developer page and did it within the text. So you want to do it in the text and you want to do it in the headers when you can. So what this does is scream to Google, hey, I have a page. It looks like it's a um, page okay. about web development. I get to the web development page and it's a page about web development. So all these things are in sync. So Google now has some trust that this is a web development page. And then therefore they rank that web development page 
uh, higher. I keep uh, muting you, yeah. Brad, because we have background noise. So if we can, because it's it's cutting out everything. Okay. So with that, with all right. Okay, with that said, that is how we do anchor text. You can see it. I have it here, SEO company. They are they are basically key terms that signal Google that the next place it's gonna go is gonna be a web a web design page or an SEO page or whatever the anchor text says it matches up to. Okay. So that's that's that piece of it. So we'll, and now let's go to the next. So we all should at least understand when I say, what is anchor text? We all kind of, kind of know what I'm talking about. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about is backlinks. Okay. Um, backlinks are links from somebody else that point to your website and you want to have them. So one way we tell localized businesses is join a chamber of commerce. There's several chambers of commerce in town that do the job very well. There are several chambers of commerce in town that does the job very badly. Um, the link credit from a chamber of commerce dramatically helps your website. So you want to have links, if at all possible, so that you can have links from, you know, from them to you. The links, look at them as votes or endorsements, okay? And I'd actually almost rather have them looked at as endorsements than votes. Because if somebody, let's say, um, if I'm in the sports world, if Nike comes and links to me, let's say I'm a golf person, okay, and I'm Tiger Woods. If Tiger Woods endorses Nike, that's a powerful link. If Beth Guide says use Nike, it's great. I endorse them, but I have no expertise in the subject of golf. I can't even tell you about a golf club. Okay, so with that, with that said, um, those links tend to um, flush through the system. They move along. The more powerful they are, the more that endorsement helps, the better off everything is. So you want to work towards getting quality links to your website. When we uh, used to be with the SBDC, they would run ads for our internet marketing class in the Houston Chronicle. So I have links from the Chronicle, from ads that were placed. I have links from them to us. I have links from um, the local Fox affiliate because I'm on the TV. I have links from multiple chambers of commerces because I work with them. I've got links from HCC because I work with them. I also have links from large news organizations for places that we've appeared. Um, we did an initiative at the beginning of COVID to get some uh, TV sets with one of our um, with one of our providers. They were able to give us a. Um, they were able to give us some carts and we took them into nursing homes. So we got national attention for those for that nursing home visit. So you got to be thinking out of the box on how to get these backlinks. But these backlinks are life. They're like blood to a, to a, a website. So if you don't have them, you can have the best SEO and be what I'm going to be called link poor. Okay. 
You also, you can offset some, now some people will disagree with me as I say this, but I, you know, after 21 years, I'm pretty sure I'm right. You can offset the loss of not having great links by having really good, strong internal links. Okay, so there's ways to distribute um, the power of your website down through your website, just simply by the way things are linked up. And then what few links you do have coming in, if they work out right, it sends the power to multiple other pages. So there is a way to work around having it, um, but you actually have to know to that degree. But, you know, run a press release for your business. I know it sounds a little cliche, but at least you'll pick up some backlinks that way. Join a chamber of commerce that picks up that way. If you're not part of one, you need to be part of one because you'll get links there. I despise the BBB for a lot of reasons, but you can get a backlink there. Um, so you always want to be, if you can have a relationship with a vendor, uh, your vendor relationships, if you sell uh, TVs and you can get a link from Samsung, great, please do so. Uh, wherever you can get a link from or an organization, I have a, I have a, not you, Chandra, but I have another printing company that they do some political printing. So they have uh, some links from political parties and some people that got elected. They have links from them to their website. So that helps support their website. So just understand there's a lot of different ways that you can do this and you have to be mindful of it. I, I really probably could give a whole class on linking. I've always shied away from it because it's one of those things that if you manipulate improperly, you can hurt yourself. But as a website owner, you need to know about it so that you can make decisions not to manipulate it, but that you can make good decisions, i.e. should I join a chamber of commerce the answer is 100 percent yes i don't care if you ever go to a networking event um should i um list something on in the chronicle if you can get a backlink from it please by all means go list yourself in the chronicle um there's there's multiple different ways to to approach this all right so um that that's the that's the next one um the next thing, this kind of goes in uh, with this, so I'm gonna, I'll address this at the same time. Um, one of the ways um, there is, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I've taught whole classes on this too. Um, you hear about white hat SEO, you hear about black hat SEO, and I'm gonna say all SEO, there's black hat and there's gray hat. Now, I don't know that I think that there's necessarily a white hat. Because when you start down the road to talk about how to optimize your website to meet the standards of a search engine algorithm, it immediately implies that you are trying to understand and maximize the system. So white hat slash gray hat is I know things, I do them in a way that makes me be more desirable. Okay, versus somebody that knows nothing and they don't do anything to maximize something. So as I look at Black Hat SEO, these are a lot of tactics that go out past what Google guidelines say. But I'm also going to say this. I could give you the Google guidelines and you all could go follow it to a T. And I 100% guarantee that you will not be able to rank your website because the guidelines themselves 
do not explain, emphasize, or let you understand what elements are more important than others, because it's not necessarily weighted. It's like all things are equal. So if you do X, Y, and Z, you're following Google's guidelines. I do X, Y, and Z, understanding that I'm going to put more emphasis on a piece and less emphasis on another piece. Okay. So the black hat is people that they're just going and buying links and throwing links on a website. They're doing, there's things out there that are called private blog networks and they make a network of blogs and then link them out to their website. So they may make a um, network of car blogs and then they start linking them to, to websites about cars. Um, they may make, and this is, there's a whole industry there, a black, black hat SEO and a person of private blog networks and things that are done to, to feed into the Google algorithm to help manipulate it. Um, there's link schemes, meaning that I link to Chandra, Chandra links to Christina. All right. So the link never comes back to me, but they're like three. So that we're, I'm not linking back to Chandra. Christina main link to me. She's getting power from me because Chandra's linking to her. So that's a link scheme. You don't ever want to play. It's like seven to six degrees of Kevin Bacon with links. And you don't want to, you don't want to be doing that kind of stuff that that's not really um, the right way to approach things. Um, so I, I just, there is, there are, you know, I, I could say that black hat is black hat is bad, but you know, there's some things that we all process things. We just do it a little bit less. When I tell you to write a title tag, uh, I am telling, and, and I'm telling you to write it in a certain way. Am I going against Google guidelines or do I understand that the order that I put words in are more important? So they say, write a title tag. I say, I'm going to write my title tag that's going to say SEO Houston, web design Houston. I'm going to write it in a way that's more conducive to me uh, ranking. And I'm not just going to put vertical web. We make the web work because that would be a title tag. Okay. I'm going to maximize that title tag. So there's some, there's some gray hat. I, and I, I would almost want to make the argument that all SEO is gray hat because you are trying to understand how to take Google's algorithm and feed it in a way to maximize the result, which means that you're kind of Jimmy in the locks on the doors a little bit. Okay. So, but black hat is really bad. Um, the other, the other where you see it is they'll take a page and they spam pages, they spin pages. Um, I, I know um, some people that they'll take one page of content, spin it into 10 more pages, send it out into the world. They're spamming. Um, and that that's a bad way to do things as well. So um, I just want you to understand there's a right way, there's a midway, and then there's a wrong way. And Black Hat is really, I'm, I'm, I hate to say it's wrong because it works for a while. Um, that easy rack site, kind of qualifies as as black hat because it took a piece of the internet it exploited that part of the algorithm and then one day google said we're not going to let you do that anymore and it went from getting a million page views a, a month down to getting 10,000 page views a month so google penalized it and took it from a million to 10,000 so that's a humongous drop but it's because they they 
went out too far and, and Google eventually pulled back on what they'd let you do and they got caught up in it. So understand that part of it. Um, next thing I want to talk about is, is this, okay? Um, the, and there's, I think there's a lot of misconceptions with this. Um, and I'm not so sure that I believe Google. In fact, frankly, sometimes Google says things and I know for sure that they're really not going to tell me the truth on something. So what this is, we're going to talk about is the bounce rate. And what that is, is somebody comes to your website off of Google, they look at your website and how long does it take them to go back and bounce back to Google? Okay. A spin on that also would be a dwell rate. How long do they stay on your page? So I want to talk to you about a few things in a few different ways. Okay. So I told you I have a Squarespace page on my website that I'm, that explains how to set your domain up at Squarespace. And we get inordinate amounts of traffic to that daily because there's people that don't know how to do this. I had put it up to help some of my domain registration customers, and it's probably one of the most popular pages on the website. So people come to that page and they bounce back to Google or they go someplace else. And that would be what you would say traditionally that would be bad because they would go to that page and then they exit that page and go back to Google. But what else they do is they stay on that page for a couple minutes because they have to copy the information off that page. So I'm holding them on that page with the information that's on that page. Google says none of this matters. But I guarantee you that if I have a page that somebody hits and immediately goes back to Google, Google's going to say, you know what, we're not providing the best answer to our end user. So I want to make sure everybody understands that whether they say it ranks or not, a bad bounce rate, and when I'm defining a bad bounce rate, I'm going to say 60 or probably 70, 80%. If you have all these people bouncing back to Google that it's getting picked up, there's something ineffective about that page. You're not meeting the grade of what Google would want to see. So you should be, you should care about that. I like in the example of my Squarespace page, I don't care about it because at the end of the day, it really is a one use page. People stay there long enough. So even though they're bouncing off, they're staying long enough that I, um, I'm getting the dwell credit rather than the bounce credit. So understand there's a couple different factors in that. And again, I repeat, Google doesn't count that. I don't believe them. Oh, wait, did I say the second piece of that out loud? Google doesn't count that. <clears throat> anyway, so I just want to, I want you to understand, I, I, you need to have a good bounce rate because you need to, to deliver a good product. You want people to stay on your website. You don't want them bouncing back to Google. All right. Um, one of the things that Google um, has, they ha you'll hear us talk about uh, Googlebot or a crawler or back in the day, you know, the spider, it used to be the web, the where Google got the web or Google, where the internet got the nickname of web because it was a spider web of, and if you've ever seen a spider, spider will walk along the web and it would come to point after point after point and they were all in interconnected some way which kind of sounds like, why is this lady explaining to me what the internet, how it all started? But the reason why is because these bots or crawlers are out there walking the internet. And you need to make sure that you're aware that they're out there because if you have a page that has, um, that links to it one way and the bot gets to that page and it can't get off that page, you're kind of penalized. That shouldn't happen too much 
anymore with these database driven websites and navigation, but it used to be that you literally could trap the, the Google bot or the, the, the crawlers on your website. If you didn't have good linking on and off a page that they got to a page and then they had no place else to go because they don't normally go back to where they came from. They're always moving forward. The other thing is, is that once you understand that there is a bot um, or these Google bots, you want them to deep crawl your site and you want to get them to get as many pages as, as they can per se. Um, if you look at this web development page and you come all the way down to the bottom, I am starting to build in all the related topics that go to this web development page. And the reason why is I am letting Google have a deeper crawl on this website because every one of these pages that they hit, it has another one of these menus on the bottom of it. Okay, and so Google, as they walk through it, it allows them to crawl deeper and deeper and deeper into the website based on based on this navigational menu on the bottom. I think everybody should have that. Not everything has to go on your navigation bar. So I guess I'll throw navigation bar on my 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 list of terms. Navigation bar is the the thing at the top that allows people to utilize the website and to uh, point you in directions. But if you'll notice, that got really big for some reason. I don't really know what I did. Hold on, let me back this all up so we can actually see what's going on. I don't know. I don't know what I did. I broke my whole browser. Hold on. Let me just do this this way. All right. So if you if you look at this this way. Yeah, I did something to it. I don't know what I did. Um, but if you look, this is your navigation bar. You notice that all the, the only thing that's here is web development. Here's the web development page. Here's the links at the bottom. Yeah, now see everything's really small. So I don't know what the heck this thing is doing. So uh, understand that not everything goes on the navigation bar and that I need to have like a traffic cop at the bottom that says these are the other pages we have on the subject matter. That allows Google to deep crawl the website. So between the items at the bottom, the anchor text throughout the pages, and the navigation, Google can crawl. You want them to do a deep crawl on your website. You want them to have thousands of pages. Um, you also should be feeding them through a sitemap. So that should be working that way as well. So you want that also. Um, but the, um, the biggest piece that you need to know about is that, um, I need to check something here, hold on a minute. Okay, I heard my front door, I didn't know, so it was like somebody was leaving, not coming in. All right, so anyway, so this is, you need to know about how your navigation works and well, how these bots go. They literally will walk down this page and follow every link that they come to. So you enter on this page, you're going to hit this design page, you're going to hit this design development page, you're going to hit this SEO page, they're going to hit all these links on the bottom and go throughout the website. You want to keep them crawling downward and downward and downward so they maximize the amount of uh, exposure any given page gets. So just be mindful of that. That's an important concept. Um, the other thing on this topic, you'll notice every page you put together should have a breadcrumb trail. And that's this little Duma Flatchy up here. And what that is, is it's the homepage, 
it's the next page over and it's the page that I'm on. And Google can follow the spider, the bot, Google bot, whatever you want to call it, can follow these points across and that gives them deeper. So um, what I will tell you is if you're using something like WordPress, this is auto-generated. So it's not like this big tragedy that you have to go remember all this. Um, but uh, understand that this also is being built coming off of where you put pages and how you nest them together. So if I have a web design section, all the web design pages nest under this web design page. And you can see that here that the URL is clearly on its own. I have here, I have this. And then it comes down and it'll start to come down into other pages. So, I, and I know I'm kind of going fast. It's because I have a lot of things to cover here. So that's good. I'll put the replay up and we'll have it. Um, so we got fonts, anchor text. And I'm trying to take notes so I can just write this all out when I'm all done. Um, all right. Um, The next one I have, the next thing that you need to be worried about is 404 pages, okay? And I'm going to tell you, I was watching Facebook last, I'm watching Facebook, I was scrolling through Facebook last night, and somebody said they were assigned the room 404, but they couldn't find it. And nobody understood the joke. They said, didn't you mean 302? Didn't you mean this? Didn't you mean that? And they were like, they didn't understand the joke. 404 is the universal error code for a page that's not found on the on the internet. Now you may see it, you may you may see it as um, just a page not found when you go to a website. But what it does on the backside is it generates a 404 code. So you want to look through your log files and see what pages are generating 404s. Uh, something like Rank Math has a 404 if you're using WordPress. It has a finder on it that says, hey, this page was not found. Where do you want it to redirect to? All right. So you should never have a 404 on your website. That, that's just really kind of pretty rudimentary. Um, you should not have one. And you, anything that changes it, um, anything that changes should have a 301 redirect issued with it. So just understand that's a secondary set of code that has to be that has to be entered. If you're using Rank Math, you can, they have a redirect manager. You can just add it. It will add the code in for you. You don't have to be a, a techie person to do it. Otherwise, I will put the code to rewrite a URL uh, redirect in your Apache config file. Um, what I'm going to say is if you're using WP Engine, they're taking away the ability to use an HD access file. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think that's going to wreak a lot of havoc on the SEO world. And it, it, it's, I, I don't even know why they're doing it, to be honest with you. But, it, you know, I was talking to my system admin and he understands what they were doing and what they've, um, what they asked to be, uh, asked to be doing. Um, but he was like, he's, I don't know. It's, he's, his answer to me was there really is no point to stopping people. But let me put the way this is. Just know if you're using WP Engine, you're going to be in a world of trouble if you have a lot of these things. So redirect 301 uh, page name. All right. And then it's going to go HTTPS, your domain, your web address.com forward slash page name. 
Okay, so that's how you would write a 301 redirect in your in your HD access file. If you're not using rank math, if you're not using um, something uh, that has it built in, you can do this through your cPanel and the file manager. The HT access file is hidden. You need to unhide the file and you can make the edits directly into the page. Um, the other thing that you want to do is put the newest redirects at the top, not at the bottom, because they read them in order. Okay, so if it redirects before it comes to your new one, it's gonna it's gonna mix it all up. So make sure you put your newest ones at the top because it's once it redirects, it stops reading the rest of the file. Okay, so that's just a little that's just a little tidbit um, on redirects on broken links, all broken links should be redirected, period, end of story, okay? Uh, 404 should not be a thing. Uh, and if you go somewhere and they ask you 404, you, you can now understand the not found joke. Um, so you now have learned something else. So, if, you know, it was funny. All these people had no idea what people were talking about. Okay. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about caching on a website and what that really, what that really means and what that looks like to your business. Um, all web pages. Okay, so let's come back to way web browsers were built back in the day. So there is back in the world, we had these dial-up modems. They were 14.4 for all you that were like in diapers when this was going on that are listening to this. Um, what the browser would do is when it downloaded the file, the next time it saw the file, it would pull it off a copy, a local copy on your computer, rather than going and downloading it. So the first time you went to a page, it was inordinately slow. After that, if it had a copy of the page, a copy of the files, it would deliver the file off your local computer rather than trying to re-download it off the internet. That technology is still with us today. Sometimes they say, God, why? But it's still with us today. Um, you can set how long those pages are cached. Um, but you want to have a cache of pages because it helps, helps the page load experience for your end user. Um, because Google is now has its core vitals and speed is becoming more and more problematic um, or more and more necessary, maybe that's a better way to say it, um, you need to make sure that you have a cache on your website. You need to make sure that it's putting it together right. Again, there's plugins to handle this. Um, so just um, the other thing is that you could look at something like a content delivery network that helps the content come from a location that is closer to the end user. So if I'm in Texas, the pages are delivered to me off a content network in Texas rather than coming to me from Atlanta or Richmond or wherever the server is housed. So there's multiple different ways and multiple different deliveries that can be done on a website um, to help speed this up. But this caching, um, if you ever call tech support, they'll tell you clear your cache. That's kind of what they're telling you because you're getting an old copy of a page versus the new copy of the page. Um, there's caching on the server side, there's caching on the browser side. Um, so there's, this cache is like a big mixed up convoluted mess, if you ask me, because I say sometimes I cleared my cache. Uh, it wasn't cleared on the server side. It was cleared on, the, on my browser side or vice versa. I clear it on the server. And next thing I know, it's still not working in my computer. And I have to I shut, shut my browser down and restart it and it'll dump it. 
So um, every single computer in the whole world does this. Some of the uh, web browsers do it better than others. Um, Safari used to do it great. Um, it's not so great anymore. Chrome has a memory like an elephant. It never seems to lose whatever I had. I got to do tricks and go in and set it to make settings go away to do that. So, but you should understand the cache and know what's going on. Okay. Next thing we're going to talk about is domain names. Okay. Cause I, I need everybody to understand this one too. Um, there is, you'll see them referred to as um, TLD, which is top level domain. You may also see them as CCTLD, and that's because they have a country code in front of them. So most TLDs that you know of are .com, which was commercial initially, .net, which, which was set up for networks, and .org, which was set up for nonprofits. Now it's like the Wild West and you see anything. What I will tell you is that Google more prefers the com and the net. They'll tell you no, but they do. Um, there's US, there's CC. A lot of them have more expensive um, attributes to them. Uh, when you start getting involved in a country code level, so you might see it as domain.com.uk or uh, domain.de, which is Germany. Uh, where this comes into play for a United States business is if I want to be multinational and I want to rank my product in Germany, if, if given the choice between company.de and company.com, Google's going to pick the company version first and the .com second, or the country code first, and then the .com second. So when I'm in Germany, I'm more apt to get a .de page in Germany than I would to be able to get a .com page in Germany. If there is no .com, if there is no .de page, then it will come to the .com page. But if you're looking to do international SEO, you really need to consider using the right country codes and the right CCTLD, which is country code top level domains. All right. Um, there's, there's hundreds of domain choices now uh, and they continue to add them. So there's that. Um, jumping around a little bit, I'm going to go to a localized SEO and we're going to talk about the word citation. Uh, the word citation are things, uh, places that your website's met uh, or your brand is mentioned on the internet. It needs to have the right name, address, and phone number. Um, they're, sometimes they're in social networks. Sometimes they're in directories. Um, Google themselves does Google My Business, which is Google Business Profiles now. So Google, Google My Business is the old name. Google Business Profiles is the new name. Um, your name, address, and phone number has to be consistent across the internet. If it's not, I have, I have ways to fix it. Um, so that there's a little bit of backstory to that too. Um, there was way back a hundred years ago, there was a company called AT&T, which was Bell. Okay. And the monopoly people got in hold of Bell and they broke them up into 12 baby Bells. And the 12 baby bells were known as Southwestern Bell. Verizon was one, which originally they were GT MobileNet. Um, uh, Qualcomm was one. Um, 
quest was one uh, it I, to come up with all of them right this minute i don't know that i could but what they had was a phone book which again for everybody over the under the age of 35 was a big thing that they would throw in your driveway that you would come out your front door in the morning and trip over because there was like the encyclopedia britannica in your driveway of people those phone books had databases hooked up to them and the old bell numbers okay so whether you're southwestern bell or qualcomm okay the old bell numbers were in this database so if you had a landline phone number that came to you and you had that, that address and that phone number are attached in that database. And those databases are not necessarily upgraded anymore. So like my company phone number, one of them is super, 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 super old. It literally has my home address from when I opened the company back in 1997. I haven't owned the house since 2004. But if you look, that's what's showing my company address. So I have to, had to go in and make a change that told those data aggregation from the baby bells that that address was no longer valid. All right, that's important. So there's some tests that you can run. Um, I have a test a tester on, the, on our website. Um, if anybody needs that, I'll get you a link to it. But I have a tester that you can test what, whether your name, address, and phone number is correct. And if it's not and not consistent across all databases, um, there's ways to fix that. Um, I'll also tell you is that Yahoo directory, and I'm saying that right, basically doesn't exist anymore for update. And this is the only way to come in and update it. So again, if you have an older company, Chances are you're in that Yahoo local directory. That's going to need to get fixed too because the well, the aggregator for that doesn't get published anymore either. So it's all these places, like the internet never forgets, but yet some of these databases can't actually be updated anymore because they're not, but they're still out there spewing wrong information. So every business needs to know what was there, what your address was, what was showing like, so my main company uh, is 24 years old and I've got three addresses. I've had the same phone number since the day I opened. So that's not a problem, but the address is three addresses deep. Um, we just received notification for the location in, in Pennsylvania that they're just going to get rid of our address up there and we're going to have to go get a new a new address. So that's a reason to change. So that's going to be a fourth old address rumbling around out there in this world that we need to fix for things. So I'm, I'm going to say to you that everybody needs to know what your citations are. Everybody's going to need to know whether their name, address, and their phone number match. Um, they're going to need to make sure your information matches in all your social directories and all those kind of things. Um, and if they do, then you're in good shape and, and off you go. Okay. So, um, but that's an important thing to know about. Um, how am I doing on topics? I mean, I'm covering everything. I hope your head, your heads are probably like going to be spinning by the time this is over with, I'm assuming. Right. Um, so the next thing I'm going to throw out there at you is, um, we're going to go back to black hat for a minute. Okay. And I'm going to kind of come back to AMP pages for a minute because I can see this being exploited in this way accidentally and you having a problem. 
So back in the day, sometimes, you know, the internet, the, the, I've been doing this for so long that my ability to understand where these things come from is. So back in the day, a spider would come to your website. It would identify itself and you could serve a page constructed specifically for that spider. So when the end user would come to the page, they would get one thing. And when the spider came to the page, they would get something completely different that was written specifically for them. Google has made that, it's called cloaking. And Google has made that completely, completely, completely illegal to the point where if you get caught doing it, you're banned. And I, I have seen some sites get banned for, I got one that I know has been banned for the better part of 20 years. So you don't ever want to be cloaking pages. You don't want to make pages that are specifically um, that the end user gets one page and the spider gets another page, which is why I say AMP is a tempting um, way to do that. And which is why I actually, when we talked about AMP, I encourage you to keep them the same because even though that would not be the intent, I could see that falling into a cloaking bucket by accident. And then, you know, it's somebody doing something. So try to keep things in sync. So it doesn't look like we're trying to serve one thing to one thing and one thing to another thing. Um, everybody should get the same content, um, whether it be a spider, whether it be Googlebot, whether it be the end user, um, everybody should get the same content. So I think that's a, that's a big deal. Um, for you guys to know about uh, because it's a, it's something that you wouldn't do, but it's also a mistake I can see being made accidentally. All right. Next thing is you hear everybody say the word CMS and that's just your content system. I talk about um, CMS. I mean, WordPress. Uh, I, I don't usually, um, you could talk about Magento. You could talk about Shopify. You could talk about, Wix and Squarespace, and technically those are all content management systems as well. Basically what it is, is it lets you, it's a database of your web pages that when you publish it, it creates and maintains the links within it for you. So you don't have to go in and update and make changes. So back in the day when I would put a page up in front page, I literally, if I had 20 pages, I add a page, I might have to touch 20 pages to be able to make that web page work right. Okay, so you want to have some kind of content system. Um, I have a, a lady that I met through U of H and she keeps telling me about Dreamweaver and she built her website in Dreamweaver and she was trained in Dreamweaver. And, and to me, um, it was a little, to me, it's a little bit hard. There's a place for Dreamweaver. It's more for coders or to flesh something out. But in order to manage the volume of content that you have to manage, you have to have a system to do that. And I'm going to go one beyond that. The days of having a three-page brochure website for any reason are in the rear view mirror. You cannot have a three-page website anymore. You, you need to be targeting at least 100 pages, which sounds like a lot. Yeah, I know. I saw big eyes on that one. It sounds like a lot. Don't get, don't get too um, off on that because at the end of the day, the blogging platform that lives within WordPress helps generate that page count for you. Now, granted... 
if I had to have a hundred good solid SEO optimized pages, that's what I would want. But in the meantime, I could put up 20 blog posts and have a hundred pages because there's five pages attached to every blog post I put up because of the categories page, because of the archive page, because of the months page, it creates four different versions at page appears and there's four different pages just simply because that page was posted to it. So your count grows up substantially just simply because you have, you have added a blog post. So it's not as horrific as it sounds, but, and I'm going to say this um, and I hope everybody kind of understands how I'm saying it. Um, Google's not in business to rank your website. They're in business to give the best possible content to their end user, which means that if we're only going to put up a 20 page website, we're looking at a low watermark. We're not doing things in a way that also instill confidence in our end user. If I went to an SEO website for somebody that I wanted to hire to do SEO and they were a five page website, I'd be running out the door screaming. In fact, I, 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 I hit this the other day and I, I'm kind of a little bit surprised at it. And I think this is probably a, a um, price piece of this too. But I, I had a customer that came and said, oh, well, we're going to change companies. And the company they changed to was some little girl that has a one-page Wix website. That one-page Wix website, if, if she probably met them at a chamber of commerce, that doesn't qualify you to run a campaign against Walgreens or CVS and you can't have a one page. So if you're a web company and you go to a web company and it's a one page website, that needs to be a wet red flag. If I go to my accountant and it's a one page website, that should be a red flag because there's so much going on in accounting law and there's so much going on. In fact, I just got an email from one of my, my business partner that, that was saying, hey, we were told this and the laws changed and I did a lot of research and then I went back and I confirmed and yep, sure enough, it's because these accountants are not keeping up with the information on their websites. You need to have, you need to show that you know what the heck you're doing. Um, and I think appearance counts, I think uh, girth counts. So as much as I say, you know, I say 100 pages and everybody gets this horrified look on their pay face, when I actually start to explain it, it's a way for you to demonstrate that you're a quality company to do business with. On this subject, um, and I'm going to talk about this more probably next month, but um, try to use real photos and not use stock photos. Um, and what I, what I mean when I say that is that the days of stock photos are pretty much in the rear view mirror. Um, you want to take your own pictures. And if you look at the ones, uh, even the ones that I have here, if you come back to our homepage, our homepage, these are real pictures. This is the data center. Um, it's not a data center. It's our PC Lightwaves data center that I took when I was down there. So that's, that's one picture. That's a real customer's website. This is a, this is a function that I was at. This is not a stock. So this is a Houston Northwest chamber, chamber day picture that we took. We're putting real pictures. If you come to our class page, now I'm going to tell you the lawyer made me do this, which I didn't agree with. All right. So I'm going to say this, you see me standing here 
with my class. This is one of the classes I taught. This was at Lone Star College. And what they said is we didn't really have the permission to use all these people. So they had me blurred a picture. But if you really start and look and you know what I look like, you'll know that's me standing there in the corner of that picture. I'm using real pictures because what I'm saying, I, I will put my face, my name, my company name behind anything I say. And everybody should have that approach with their business be real put your people up there put yourself out there explain it what you're out uh like here i've got my picture here and what my qualifications are and all the places we work from so this is a real company i keep trying to make my staff put their pictures out they don't want to do it so i'm not going to argue with them i'll just continue to be the face of this myself i don't i don't have a problem with that but at the end of the day i, I mean make the website be be real in what you do so that people kind of know that you're a real person. The other thing that I did, and I'm, and I'm kind of saying this so everybody, with a content system, it makes this easy, okay? So just so you know. The other thing that I did, and everybody should kind of consider this too, what we did on this is um, we decided that when I really put rubber to the metal what sets us apart is how we interact with our customers and the message that and i and i you know i kind of hoped everybody walked away with but we actually went out to some of our really long-term customers and we asked them for a headshot we asked them for a for a content and we actually put real people on our website because we kept it real we didn't make fake people. You can go call any of these people if you want. Okay. So we did it in the hosting area. I did it in the web design area. I actually helped these folks learn how to do web design back in the day. Um, and then I actually, from the SEO side, I took some of the testimonials we had, but everybody I have is a real person. And, and the reason I'm kind of saying this to you is because I think the days of having a stock glitzy website are gone. It needs to be neat. It needs to be, it can't look terrible or it looks like somebody did it with crayons. Don't misunderstand me, okay? But at the same time, there's an authenticity, or at least I'm hoping there's an authenticity in everything that we did that you could see that these were not stock photos, that they're real people, and that we felt like our customers were the best people to speak for us. Um, even this picture here, this is one I actually took that picture, but I'm encouraging everybody to take pictures, to do things that that could be a stock photo. Uh, I'll admit that one. OK, but I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to kind of do their own thing here and make it personal and personalized. A content management system allows you to do that. So putting up a three page website that says, hey, this is what we do. I groom dogs. And then we don't have little pictures of the dogs. We just have eye-groomed dogs and we have this owner throwing the ball at the park or it doesn't personalize it and make you look like a real person. And people do business with who they like. So don't forget that, that, that there is a, that, that is coming, even though we may have gotten away from it, because I think we did for a while, that's really kind of coming back in vogue. And the only way for you to start to convey that and to put the content out and to personalize your content is to have a, a reasonable CMS system that allows you to add pages, put pages up, connect them correctly and create them so that you can meet the needs that you, the bar that you need to do to be able to, to put things together right.
Um, so that's, uh, that's that. And so you see, even here, I have uh, classes I've got, you know, so all the things that I did is I tried to personalize um, this whole subject so that you could tell you're not signing up with somebody like GoDaddy that actually you're just a number two and you're passing through. All right. So um, that's the content situation or the content uh, management situation. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is content uh, comment spam. Um, and this is something that I see done. Um, there's bots that walk the world that all they do is they try to post a comment on a website. And for a while, it was a good thing to have those that comment because it showed that there was some kind of engagement with the page. But then those bots started posting backlinks to other people's websites. And it started to become a spam tactic on the part of uh, people trying to build links back to their website from other websites. If your comments are turned on, on your blog or on your website, you need to make sure that you have them sandboxed and that you review them and that they are not posting random things on your website without somebody reviewing them first. Because you actually can get penalized for that now. And that's a that's a big that's a big situation. Okay. So I would make sure that I understood whether my comments were turned on and off, whether my hosting company or myself needed to provide a, a spam filter. Like on our hosting plans, we give out estimate on our WordPress accounts to keep the spam, the comments spam down. Um, I'm going to do a class on WordPress plugins that everybody needs to have. So we'll kind of, that will be on the list and I'll kind of talk through that when we get there. So our class at the end of the month is going to be on WordPress plugins. So uh, the, mo the moral of the story is don't let people post stuff and I'll go to a website and I can tell that they're not moderated. Nobody's looking at them and it's got, you know, I found one guy is an advertising agency, he put some up and he started getting links to like porn sites. And I was like, I had to call him and I say to him, you know, you may not want my opinion. I, I don't know if you do, or you don't, but you know, you really need to go turn that down. He thanked me profusely because um, he, he wasn't a customer, but he was an acquaintance that I knew through the chamber. He thanked me profusely because he didn't know that he was getting porno sites posted on his comments on his on the blog posts he was putting up. Um, uh, so that's so that's that story. So um, that's that. All right. So the next thing is. Um, let me see where I want to go next because what time is it? 12.20. All right. So next thing I want to do is I want to talk about conversions. Um, the conversions are, hold on one second.
All right. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is conversions. Um, one more. I, I got a text message. I'm sorry. Hold on one second. Sorry about this. Okay. Um, the next one I want to talk about is conversion. Okay. And what we're going to talk about in conversion is what are the hopes and the goals for my webpage? And then how do I make money off that page? Does it convert the way I want it to convert? Okay. So I may have a web a web page that's that's for web design. And what is the conversion goals for this page? So when I when I put ever up a page, I always hope that I know what my conversion goals are for this. For this web design, what I want somebody to do is to contact us. So that is my goal for this page. If I get somebody comes to this page and contacts us, um, that would be that would be fantastic. Okay, um, if they come to the bottom of the page or if they come to the middle of the page and they fill this section out here, those are my conversion goals. And what that is, is that's the, that's the action that I desire on this page, okay? And you should have those type things in mind for every page that, that you put up and that you can, um, you can, you can do. And if you don't have that in mind, then we need to start calibrating our thinking about that. And what is, what is, what does that really look like? And what does that mean to you? Okay. So I have to look at what do I want it to do? What do I hope it to do? One thing that I'll tell you is that scrolling banners tend to push people away. Um, we, we did this here at the top. Remember I told you above the fold, we did this here above the fold because our goal was to make sure that somebody came to our homepage, they could figure out what part of our company they wanted to go to. Um, if you're selling something, it's important to know that you shouldn't put 70 choices on a page. Uh, and the greatest company in the whole world about is Amazon. So I always tell everybody when in doubt on conversion, decide what you need. They do thousands of tests a minute to make sure that they, they convert and they move buttons around, they move layouts around. They're constantly testing what they want you to do and how they want you to inter interact. So when you come to an Amazon page, you'll see, you know, how they have this laid out. They're coming against what I, you know, whether I want to buy a game again, whether I want to look at what I was looking at. And then they start making suggestions. They have Mother's Day suggestions. So let's go into these keep on shopping sections, okay? They have their breadcrumb trail. They let me know. You notice that they have these two orange buttons here. And you may say to yourself, well, that's an ugly orange color. They went with orange 
because what they're they know that's one of the biggest conversion colors out there along with blue okay so when they put these buttons in orange they know that they're more apt to get a conversion and if you notice the buy now is orange and the add to carts only is a little less orange it's a little more yellow okay because they want people to buy now and not just add it to a cart that they can go in and do it on if you notice they don't slam in eight sections of a of a of a pictures they give you the one nice picture if you wanted to look at them you can roll over and look at them individually and look at it what it what you should be kind of looking at and how you go um they even have a video very helpful um they kind of keep your information up here easy not over overbearing not way too much if they want to give you too much you can start to come down to the bottom and you see before they start to tell you about this product they also, if you've scrolled and moved your mouse, what they know is that you're probably not happy with this product the way it's constituted up here. All right. So you looked through this, you looked at how it did. It's not meeting your needs. It didn't meet my needs. I was looking for something specific and this was not meeting my needs. So I kind of start, you start to scroll down and rather than giving you um, the discussion about this product, they jump to related products because they know that your action is predicated on the fact that you weren't happy. Because if you were happy, you would have hit the buy now and moved on. If we kind of agree with that. Okay. So understand what they're doing. Um, and when in doubt, and when you don't know whether what you should do on a, um, on a, on a, excuse me, on a, on a page, go to Amazon and find out because the answer, I, I kid around with people all the time, but the answer sits at Amazon. Um, the fact that they break these out, that you don't actually have to go somewhere that you can pick it right here. I can decide I want purple. I want to see what this purple looks like. I'm attracted to purple. I like the color purple. You know what it's not showing me and why I won't buy this? because it doesn't show me what the page actually looks like. And I'm interested in what the page is. So this one is a, this is a no, this is a no go for me. All right. But they're giving me all this information, but they're doing it in a way because what they want me to do is make that buying decision. Everything here is to help me make the buying decision. Um, and they know that by the time you get to the bottom of the page, you're going to be over here wondering what, where and what and why and how and then they start even making suggestions out of the last stuff that you looked at so you can see i you know what i where i've got everything from coolers to generators to backpacks to it looks like i'm going on a trip but i'm really not i was just looking for a few things in fact this now has caught my eye i don't need to look and see what this looks like because i love my backpacks and i would love to have one on wheels so now they've made this next suggestion for me and off we go okay so with all of that said um i'm gonna i'm gonna say that that conversion is important we want to look at how people do that what people do you also want to know what your conversion rate is i'm going to tell you and people can argue this with me but i think it's all in how you figure it out um i think you know one to two percent of all your visits will convert into a sale okay um do i think you can do things to help stuff convert into a sale more absolutely um 
do would I say that it's not unreasonable to say you could have a 10 or a 20% conversion rate? Absolutely. That's usually more in an AdWords world, um, which is paid ads on Google than it is on an organic side because organic always starts informational. So if I have a 10% conversion rate on an organic site, I'm much happier. Um, so just to under, understand that, but just understand, um, you know, what, what the conversion rate is, what are you hoping to gain from somebody? Um, do you want them to complete a purchase? Do you want to add something to a shopping cart? Do you want them to request a form? Do you want them to give them your email address? Um, what do you want somebody to do and what is your purpose? And that will help you govern how you better put out the page. Okay. I will tell you that on my website, when I do the class website, okay, what I have done, and this has been intentional on my part, and I, I've actually been thinking about maybe moving this around. So this may, you may see me change that here in the not too distant, in the not too distant future. But when you come to an art, uh, to one of our episodes, I, I put the podcast on top because ultimately I want people to subscribe to the podcast and engage with the podcast. That's really my goal for this page. The next thing I do is I write the article and I want somebody to scroll down this article, read the article, learn about the article and understand that it goes with the podcast. Last but not least, at the very bottom of the page, if you come down all this way, the video recap of this class, the Zoom content of this class is sitting on this page. And I put it all the way on the bottom for a couple reasons. One is if somebody took the time to read all the way through, great, they have the nugget. I don't want to deviate them off into to YouTube if I didn't want them to initially. The other thing is I didn't want everybody to get too comfortable that they could come grab the blog and just start watching videos. Because at the end of the day, this class works a lot better with the more people we have in it. Because it allows, you know, our, our one with score has anywhere from 80 to 300 in it, depending on what time of the year. There's a lot more questions that are asked in a 30 to 300 people class than there is in a smaller class. So I never wanted to get to where this class became an on-demand. I think that's starting to go what's going on because I can see the numbers on the podcast going up. So I think what's happening is this becoming more and more of an on-demand situation. That's okay. That's I was always concerned about that anyway. But at the end of the day, I put that on the, because my goal wasn't to have them watch the video. My goal is to get them involved in the podcast and to read the standalone page. So I put thought into what do I hope to achieve when I do something? And you guys need to, you guys need to do that too. You don't just put up a random page without any idea of what you want it to be. Um, the next set of things that we're going to talk about is core vitals. That's kind of gets thrown around quite a bit. Um, what it is, is a set of speed metrics that Google has put together for your website that it has to meet this. It's how big is the website? How fast does it load? How long does your server take um, to respond? And how stable is the website visually? Does it shift? Does it move? Um, what, what happens with it? Um, so understand that you all need to core vitals is a ranking factor. Um, you need to make sure that you pass core vitals at all, at all costs on your website. Um, 
we've had whole classes on core vitals. I think I'm going to end up doing one again on that. It's, it's really a, um, it's half how your website's built. Um, I'm going to be talking about platform at the end of the month for Houston Community College. Um, and I'm going to talk a lot about platform uh, speed, ability to make changes. And it, some of this is with this core vitals in mind, because if you can't pass core vitals, you're putting yourself already in a deficit position. So you don't, you don't want to put yourself in a deficit, deficit position on something. If you can't, if you don't, if you don't want to, um, the next thing I want to tell you, and I don't really ever want you to screw with this, but I'm going to let you know it's out there. And this sometimes your hosting company forces this to happen, but um, you should have a hosting company where you're not throttled. Um, but let me let me start with um, the crawl budget is how many pages that you can crawl and how many pages can Google suck out of the website at one time. Now I have websites that are 10, 20, 30,000 pages. I have some that are over a hundred thousand pages. I want Google to come in and take as many pages as they want. So we don't restrict them. And in fact, on the firewalls, we actually have them um, allowed to come in. So you can set that budget in uh, Search Console. I can also stop it happening on the web server side with a firewall that if I have too much of something come through that's from the same IP that looks like I'm being attacked because trust me when Google comes and comes to try to take a 10,000 page website you look like you're being attacked all right so we've had to be willing to make make adjustments to allow Google to take as much as they want um, conversely you can set it so if you're the IT department you may want to set and restrict that I'm going to tell you you want to have an unlimited crawl budget and you want to make sure your web hosting company will let you have an unlimited crawl budget I, you know if Google wants to come and grab something out of my website by God you're going to get it as many times as you want it how often you want it and I'm not stopping you because that action of crawling your website is how your web pages get listed how they get updated and how Google views your website so I I would never impede them from coming to my website, not one second, not one minute, not one hour of any day. Um, the other thing is, is that sometimes they'll hit a error. Like if you do Google search console, you'll see that they have crawl errors. That means that the Google bot hit a page. It couldn't crawl it and it produces a crawl error. Um, you need to make sure that you get those all addressed. You make sure your website doesn't have crawl errors. You make sure that that all works well. Um, and that is, um, that works. The other thing is, is I'm saying that part of that too, is you want to make sure that all the links um, work underneath, because remember I told you, you want that deep crawl. So you want to make sure that Google can do that deep crawl, that you instruct them where you want it to go and that that information comes back out. So make sure that you, you've got that piece going on as well. Um, one question I get a lot of is what is direct traffic? And Google sees direct traffic that doesn't come from them. All right. So one way to get direct traffic is, you know, a bookmark. But like this morning, I sent out that email and all of you all came through the email to come to the website. I know on the days that I send out the email, my visit, my page visits go up to five or 600 because everybody's coming to get the schedule for the month. 
Um, those are direct because they don't pass through Google. They don't pass through social media. They're not qualified. They're not quantified. So I just went to Nike and I didn't go through Nike through Google to get to Nike. I typed Nike directly in. That's a direct visit because the brand is strong enough that people went directly to the brand and bypassed going through a search engine. Okay. I, I just did it with Amazon too. You all watch me go to amazon.com. I went to Amazon. I didn't need Google to show me where Amazon was. I typed it directly into the browser and it pulled the web page up. So just understand that that's out there. Ideally, if you have a brand, you should have a substantial amount of uh, non-organic traffic. So like we have a brand. Um, and in fact, I have a bigger brand than what I thought I was going to have. But um, I we have a brand, you know, 30 some percent of our traffic is direct traffic coming in. Um, and of that 30%, and 10 or 15% of all traffic is for this class. So even though we have all this hosting and all this tech support and all this other stuff going on under all of this, 10% um, of our traffic is, is dedicated to this class alone. That, that people are coming, they come to get the topics, they come to get the replays, they come to get the schedule, they come to do something. And that there are direct type ins to come to that. And I, and I see it um, in my traffic, I see it in my stats. Um, my chat program kind of monitors that as well because the chat program lets me know who's on the site, where they're going and what they're doing. Um, so that's always, that to me, that's always a good thing when I know all of that. So that's another um, set of things. Um, there are a few other things when we talked about domain that I'm going to throw out there. And some people are going to say, nope, you don't know what you're talking about. And other people are going to say, boy, I wish you didn't say that. And more people are going to, less, less people, I should say more people, less people are going to say, yep, that's right. There is a definite amount of credit for older websites and older domain names. And what we've noticed is that the domains that have significant domain age without disruption have an easier time of getting ranked on anything. So when I decided I was going to move away from my old brand and start using the vertical web, well, I didn't start with the idea of vertical web. I, I started looking around to see, hey, what were some good names and what was out there and available? I think vertical web was originally um, registered in 1997. Uh, I'm going to check it actually, see if it'll pop up. Yeah, see this domain is 23 years old. So it was originally registered back in 2000, February of 2000. So there's, there's a, and I, and I know they'll tell you no, and I know people will say no, but I, I, I always say that anything, and I'm using a timeline when I say this, but it seems to me that anything that is 2000 or less has one set of rules. Anything that's 2004, 2000 to 2004 have a different set of rules. 2005 or six, probably more like 2006, all the way to 2012 seem to have a different set of rules. And it seems like everything that's been registered past 2012 
have yet another set of rules. Um, I took this vertical web, vertical web domain, I put it up and I had terms ranking on it in a matter of days with no links pointing to it. Um, so I, I, I can't help but say that the old domains help. A lot of people say no. Um, and, I, and I'm gonna say, you know, what are they, what is, what is that saying? We can agree to disagree. Um, and it doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm talking about. I have enough, I have enough evidence of taking a domain and standing up an old one to say that I, I think we get a much more favorable treatment with the old ones, even if they have no backlinks to them, because that would be the argument. They'd say, well, they were backlinked or they had use. My website never had, was never used prior to me taking it and turning it live in the beginning of 2022. Um, I have a couple more that we're going to be doing in the next uh, few weeks. I'll be anxious to see how well they go as well. Um, so I, I've got one person that's, that's, you know, some of these people are willing to spend five, five digits of a number on a domain name. Um because it's, it's that important and that imperative that you have a good domain. So um, if you don't have a domain name, consider aftermarket, but don't buy one without some um, guidance from somebody that knows what they're doing. Um, if you do have an old domain name, be very happy that you have it um, because there's a lot of value in them. Uh, there's, there's very few that have been that are, and I shouldn't say very few. There's a lot of them that are that were let go by companies that went out of business. I want to see what the age on this one is. I think this one's about the same. Yeah, see, this one's 2022. This one's they're showing this one as being 22 years old. That it was. So I was, I was. That's a we had bought that as a secondary for email. I just want. I don't even know that I knew how old it was, but. All the domains that I have that are associated with this, I, I made sure that we had real old domains to attach to. Um, I, I really do think that there's an extreme benefit and enough to spend a considerable amount of money to do it. So um, I, that's, I, you know, I, I don't want everybody to be um, ignorant to the age of a domain. And, I, and I'll tell you, you know, I may do an intellectual property talk at some point because how domains work um, and treating them like property. I have people that run in two days after their domain expires, like it's nobody's business and come pay and renew. And at the end of the day, your domain should re always be registered for no less than five years, period, end of story. Because if you intend to keep your business going, you should never come up against an expiration date on it. You should never take a chance that that domain would expire um, I had one that has had, they don't have, they don't use us for an SEO company. They, they use us as a, uh, as a hosting company. Um, but they've put in 15 years of SEO work on this thing, have AdWords running. And the only thing that we can figure is that the domain expired. And in one day it was taken to China. Now there's some things that lead me to believe that what, what had happened is it actually had expired the year earlier. But the fact of the matter that this lady didn't know that she had this investment and yet had all of this in her domain name is very concerning to me. I think there's a lot of apathy over what a domain is, how a domain needs to be registered, what needs to happen with it, and what needs to do to maintain it. 
but I'm here to tell you that everybody on your domain name should have at least five years. And if you don't, you need to consider doing it um, because, and then put the reminder in your cell phone so that in a couple of years, you can go back and pump five more years at it. Um, you never, ever want that to expire. And you sure don't want to have to go pay a Chinese hostage taker to keep your domain up to speed. And that is that is a real possibility. And I mean, it, like I said, I just had to help clean that up about a week ago. Um, I, I knew, I, 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 and I hope that they didn't go back to their original registration company. They're still hosted here and all, but I hope they didn't go back to the original registration company because there are some registrars that will renew your domain, not suspend it. And at the end of a year, if you haven't figured out and come in and paid it, they go sell it at the black market. Um, but you don't know that's going on. I know it's going on because I have I get the phone calls when it happens. Um, but there are some that um, do that. And I think it's most people don't know they have to keep their domain name registered and renewed. And they don't even know if I, I, I guarantee you, if I had a room of people and I said, what year does your domain renew? You couldn't answer that question. I know on every one of mine, I have some already out to 2030. Uh, most of them expire anywhere between 2025 and 2020 and 2030 at this point. And I think it's important to know that. Um, if you don't want to keep up with it, put it on auto renew. But then that requires you to keep your credit card up to date. And if you don't keep your credit card up to date, then it expires again. So, I mean, you have to take an active, as a business owner, you have to take an active role in this. Um, and this is coming from Beth, the domain registration uh, resolution department some, for some very large companies like Yahoo Domains and Squarespace and you know, Vistaprint, we, we, you know, we get those domains get assigned to us when they expire and the customer has come, uh, has trouble. And for the longest time, I had one employee that that was their only job was to take domain complaints. Um, and from somebody else that their domain didn't get paid for and somebody lost their domain and not every registration company is following the rules. Um, and the, the, the base rule is you have five days to renew your domain past its expiration before it theoretically can be given to somebody else. You have 14 days from the date of expiration before you're past the point of no return. There's some other benchmarks past that. Um, and should you lapse out of that from past 30 days, the registry can sit down and hold that domain up to 90 days before you can ever reclaim it. So understand that you don't ever really want to find yourself in that place and that you know my domains are very long um age wise i mean i have some that go back to 1998 so um i've got some that are old 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 now and with with that said um they'll they'll never they'll never expire because i'm always going in and pumping years on them every time i think about it i'm like no i'm in here let me go add years you guys need to have a system to make sure that you're doing that because it's that important. Um, like I said, at some point, I, I think I probably need to have an intellectual property class with everybody so you understand what this all is and what it, what it isn't. Um, one other thing that I'm going to throw out here before I call it a day, and I mean, I probably, I'm, I might run this same class and pick up where we left off next month. I, I don't know. I haven't really decided yet. Um, 
domain authority, um, and this is kind of nebulous, okay? And what I mean by that is that Google used to have what they call uh, page rank. And they would rank a page one to 100, and it was specifically governed by links. So the more links you had, the higher your page rank was. And there was like breakpoints. So when you got to 100 domains, you would have, you know, you'd have one set of things. When you got to 500 domains, you had another thing. When you got over 1,000 domains, the credibility of the website started to increase, okay? And um, I'm going to say root domains matter. I'm also going to say amount of pages off a of root domain also matters. So that kind of something that fell out of grace. But I see a lot of websites now that have a lot of links from a certain spot, and I think it's helping buoy in them. But let's just stay with the concept of root domains for a second. So Google gave these scores, and then Google took it away because what they understood is that people were getting and buying and, and, and manipulating links to move their page rank up so you could see it. <coughs> and they say page rank doesn't exist anymore. And I'm going to say, I probably don't believe them. Okay. So there's some companies out there like Moz, like SEMrush, uh, HREFs came up with them. They've all come up with their own simulator of what a domain authority is. And it's all based on the backlinks. And you can kind of see it here. On this on this bar here, this is my SerpWorks bar, and I have it on every. It tells me like this is the VWeb website, okay? It tells me that it's got a page authority of a five. Uh, it tells me that there's three links pointing to the home page. It tells me that I'm ranked on nine keywords. I don't even know what they are. I have a blank website, so I don't know, and I don't know why it says there's 461 pages. I'll have to go look at that because I think what it is is something screwed up on the vertical website. So let me come back over to the vertical website, okay? You'll see that this one has an authority of a 35 and a 31, meaning that the domain itself is a 35, the page itself is a 31. Um, this company here says it's a 24 and a 26. Um, and what you'll see is that I have 550 domains pointing to this page on this website. Uh, the links to the homepage, I have 60, 50, 59,000 links linking to this homepage because they're coming in from all over the place that I have links and stuff through the years. Um, so now this website's starting to get pretty powerful and they don't consider the links that I have to be spammy. Um, there are links from HP because of some of the tech support stuff we do. There are links from um, Linux because of the tech support stuff we do. There's some links from Wikipedia because I ended up in Wikipedia. Um, there's links from all over the internet. Some of them have follow tags on them. Some of them have don't follow tags. And they're just as they explain. The link says follow and give credit or Google. Yes, there is a link to this, but I don't want you to give any credit to that page. I'm just letting you know that I, I vote for that page. All right. So we have quite a few pages. You'll see that they say we have 801 pages indexed. Um, they say that we have, um, our website is listed on 1300 keywords, which is fine. It's actually more than that. Um, 
And you'll see that we have listed with 551 root domains. By the time I'm done doing everything I'm doing with shutting down my other two and consolidating these websites, I have to think that we'll have over 1,500 links. I, I think that this website's heading to become a juggernaut and be able to compete on levels that it wasn't able to compete being split up. Um, so we're working on consolidating and bringing stuff in and shutting down the hosting website, shutting down the old SEO website and bringing all our assets into one bucket. Because at the end of the day, the power of those, the domain authority, I'll, I would like to have a domain authority of a 55 or a 60 if possible, because that starts to put me on par with some of the larger companies out there. Um, what I'll tell you is that like I, GoDaddy's a competitor in the loosest sense of the word, because I, 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 the only thing that we do is they do hosting and we do hosting, but they're two different levels of anything. And let me see if this pulls up here. I don't know why it's not pulling up. Probably because it's not loading the page right. It should be given that SERPs works bar, but it's not for some reason. Let me, let's go to post and see if I get in on that one. Here we go. So you see where they have on links, they have uh, on on links to the homepage, they have 800,000 links to the homepage. And you see their authority is in 89. So that's, you know, as I'm saying to you, I hope to get to a 55, really to even compete on par with those, these guys, I'd have to be at 889. That, that's not even achievable at this point in my life. All right. I would be happy if I got to a 55 or a 60 because at the end of the day, Google's going to start kind of looking um, at this in this way. And they're going to say, okay, you're a 60, they're an 89. So we're going to put them higher. Your content's more relative. So maybe we'll put you higher. So this starts to, but in order to compete in the web business, you can't have a website with an authority of a 10 or a 20. So if you're a local CPA and you're a 20, great, you're doing awesome. If you're a web hosting company, you're not doing awesome because you got to go compete against like somebody like this. So um, anyway, I will be happy if the dust settles and I have 1500 root domains, that would make me pretty freaking happy. Um, and, and I suspect that I'll end up with a, with a reasonable um, amount of, uh, of, of authority and how I'm building authority is basically the level of the links and the type of the links that I have pointing back to the website. With that said, we are at one o'clock, so it's time to call it a day. Um, I may continue down this list because this list gives a lot of uh, uh, a lot of perspective to a lot of things, um, and and it gives me the opportunity to talk to you about things that I may not have necessarily ever truly touched on. Um, so I, I think I'm going to kind of keep coming down this list because I, I think that we there's a lot to learn historically from all of this. Um, and I think there's a lot of tools that you can walk away with and figure out what you're doing with if you um, I don't know if everybody's agreeable with that, but I, I think I probably should. I probably have another couple hundred items on this list that I could go down and keep going. So if we're good, let's call this part one and maybe we'll do part two next month and kind of keep going. Does that sound like a good idea? Keep going. Are we learning enough or we need a different topic? I like it. I think we're, I'm getting a lot of good information out of this. 
All right. Okay. Well, I'm just, then I'll stick with this and we'll keep this as a, we'll keep this as a June topic then. We'll, we'll pick up in the D's. We got to get to disease. So we got a long way to go. So, okay. Thank All right. So and much. I'll see everybody next month. You have a great month. And, uh, um, and we're always here if anybody needs any help or has any questions and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. That's a wrap for this week's Internet Marketing Clinic. We'll see you next week. Thank you.